0: Our friends at Tailwind Nutrition have your back on this episode of Pick Up The Six Podcast. We introduced you to Tailwind when talking to Jesse and Scott about their 100 miler on episode 21. Well, Tailwind is so great, they shot us a note back saying they love the show and they wanted to keep the discount up for you guys. How about that? Tailwind is the real deal endurance fuel to keep you going through training sessions and on race day, and they are built to help you recover and come back stronger. Ditch the gels, bars, chews, and pills, and go all day with just Tailwind. Tailwind mixes with water to meet your calorie, hydration, and electrolyte needs no matter how big a day is in front of you. Deliberately mild, customers describe the flavor as clean and light with a mouthfeel as close to water as you can get while still meeting all your nutrition needs. So go to TailwindNutrition.com and find their starter kit. Drop it in your cart and use the code PICKSIX, P-I-C-K-S-I-X, and you're going to save 20% just like that. Boom. TailwindNutrition.com, find the starter kit, use the code six or go to tailwindnutrition.com slash starter dash kit and use that code PICK6 and save 20% off today. Tailwind, all you need, all day, really. Jen Griswold believes that the world needs more boss ladies with big dreams. So what did a kid growing up in Montana dream about and how it led her down her strength of purpose path to this day on this episode of Pick Up The Six Podcast. Jen, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Excited for our conversation today. Where in the heck is Laurel, Montana?
1: Laurel, Montana is a tiny town of only about 6,000 people, just a tiny bit east of Billings, Montana, I'm sorry, west of Billings, Montana. And and, um, nobody probably knows where it is because it's just a few good people there, but we had a good time growing up there.
0: But you know where it is because that's where you're from. And so what was growing up in Montana like?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I live in Washington, D.C. now, and I have a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. And they get to go to, you know, Capitals hockey games and Nats baseball games. And in Laurel, Montana, it takes you to drive to Denver or to Minneapolis or to Seattle to find a game. So you make up games of your own. <laughs> we played a lot of sports. Um you know, I did a lot of random other things to entertain ourselves, probably that were maybe not the safest. We we floated down the river, um, rode horses, did all sorts of things, but definitely country living, but amazing people.
0: Yeah, a lot of good time outdoors, a lot of good outdoor activities, quite the opposite of Washington, D.C.
1: Yes. You had it <laughs> congestion.
0: People.
1: Yes, no traffic. Though, In fact, I'm sending my son to Montana with my parents to learn how to drive this summer. <laughs> lot safer out there
0: than it is here. Montana is on my list of one of those places where I just want to get in an RV, drive the family and just end up out there for a little bit and just enjoy it. Just unplug a little bit.
1: Yes. Um, Big skies are true. And mm -hmm. if you want to cars, that's the place to
0: do it. Yeah. So big skies though, big dreaming. How'd you end up from small town, Laurel, Montana at the U S air force Academy. Connect those dots for me.
1: Yeah, so growing up in Montana, I saw people working at the railroad, I saw people working at the um, oil refinery in our city, and that was about all that people did, Um, and so there wasn't a whole lot of options. I grew up thinking um, I was made for something else, and so it was either go to Montana State, which is what probably 75% of my friends did, or um, because that was all anybody's parents could afford or you had to figure something out with a scholarship of your own. And so I decided that there was a recruiter that would come to our eighth grade history class, all about the Air Force Academy. And one of my best friends, who's now a dentist, Kelly Kroll, would go to these presentations and I was just her buddy that would accompany her. But as I sat through more and more of them, I realized this is a smart way for me to go to college at a really great school, great engineering school, um, and with the potential to fly afterwards. And my dad, growing up, flew us around every family vacation in a Cessna 182. My grandfather was a World War II pilot. And um, that was kind of like in my blood. And so I thought maybe I would want to fly. And that seemed like a good free option. Free meaning like mm-hmm. you pay back five years, but it was free to go. And um, it was probably the best decision I ever made.
0: So would you end up studying there? What was life in the Air Force like post-academy? Did you end up flying? Uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit more of the, the Jen Griswold yeah. story.
1: I thought I was going to come out an engineer and a pilot, and I came out neither, (laughs) but I married one. Um, So I went in thinking, again, engineering, and I discovered that I'm more of a people person, than I'm a numbers person, and I love people. I love leadership, and I went through the behavioral sciences department in a program called human factors engineering. So kind of a really good um, mix of a tiny bit of engineering with designing things, and then um, a lot of leadership, counseling, behavioral sciences, psychology kind of stuff behind it. I didn't know at the time that that was going to come to help me later in life. Uh, but at the time, that just felt the most like me. And then I graduated and my uh, my department chair told me if I wanted a job in leadership, the best thing I could do was aircraft maintenance, which might sound a little crazy, given the fact that I could have cared less about how to fix a plane But it was because it gave you the largest leadership opportunity at the youngest age. So I graduated, became an aircraft maintenance officer, um, was dating my husband who went to pilot training, and um, immediately as a 22-year-old, I was slapped into jobs where I was managing 250 troops, um, mostly men, and I was 18 years old, wide-eyed, and scared out of my mind, and not only was I managing 250 troops, I would have up to 12 multi million dollar aircraft that I was responsible for and the lives that went along with them. So it was a big responsibility. I learned very fast how to figure out who I needed to be close to because I did not have the technical knowledge that some of the other guys did that really f- were fascinated by aircraft. Um, my son is like that. I was not like that at all, but I was a people person and I loved to leave. So I learned really quickly how to do my best at that job and keep those technical people really close to me when I needed them.
0: Mm. Hey, they don't fix them. They don't fly them. That's for sure. What aircraft did you have?
1: So I started out in test aircraft, which is a very strange way for a new lieutenant to start. So I was down in Florida and it was um, a test base where they were doing a whole bunch of different aircraft with a whole bunch of different weird modifications. So I had everything from F-15s to F-16s to helicopters to C-130s all with weird things built on them that they were testing out. And, um, you know, I had a couple really interesting experiences. My very first couple of weeks on the job, for whatever reason, my year, I wasn't able to go to aircraft maintenance school right away. So I went straight into the job completely untrained. Talk about scary yeah. <laughs> from Montana, living in the panhandle of Florida. I could barely even understand people, much less lead them. But, um, I had an aircraft lose its brakes and go off the runway in F-15 and we had to airbag it out. So that also elicits a whole investigation about what went wrong, who gave it gas, who was the last one to touch it. There's a whole bunch of mm-hmm. goes into that. Immediately the week after that incident, we had a plane break up in flight and a pilot pass away. Um, and that is a very stressful event for a maintenance officer because every person in your in your command basically gets interviewed because it could have been them that caused it. In the end it wasn't, it was a structural thing, but it's a really stressful environment. So I learned very quickly that my job meant life and death right off the bat.
0: You also learned too in that moment that 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 service to the nation, while thousands have paid that ultimate price in combat, there's still so much that goes into the training of the sharpening of the tool, you know, to to get us there. My my father uh, longtime fighter pilot flew F-15s. Uh, commander um, uh, was commanding uh, at NGIP at the time, and they had an air collision, and they lost pilots during that training. And I remember him talking just about what that moment was like. That's a, that's a tough moment for everybody that touches something like that.
1: And I'll never forget being 18, 19 years old and looking at the pilot's wife with two children left behind and thinking to myself, I wonder what that must feel like. And now I'm to the age of what she would have been. Actually, I'm probably a little older. I have two kids and it really comes from full circle when you realize like at that young age, those that dad was stolen from that family and they really did pay the ultimate sacrifice. So yeah, I'm really proud of um, the work that we did, but it is definitely important work um, that we should all appreciate.
0: Yeah. So you stay on the tip of the spear by continuing to, to get better and continue to work it. Uh, you talked about this this guy you're dating, comes your husband, he's flying. So what's he flying?
1: He flies C-17s. And once I finished that Florida assignment, we, we were able to get married and moved up to Washington State. And then I remained C-17 maintenance and he flew them for the remainder of my six years active duty. And then I transferred into the reserves, which I did for another 14 years until I just retired last summer. Um, But yeah, he's still C-17s and and now he's in 06 and um, steering down the end of his career, which Mm -hmm. is a whole nother story. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we're super proud of both of our service.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you so much uh, for all that you did in active duty and the reserves. Continue that on. Congratulations on 14 well-served years there as well. And thank you so much for that service. Thank you to your husband as well for all the work that he has done, continues to do. Let's check the C-17 there. Favorite, this will be my last Air Force question for you, favorite aircraft?
1: Well, I would definitely say that because I spent the most amount of years in the C-17, that's it, because um, I saw the very beginning of that aircraft. Now it's actually an older aircraft that needs to be, you know, that needs to kind of get some maintenance and some new versions of it. But um, it's an amazing aircraft that can do a lot of things that other planes you know, only can do part of. So I, I definitely have had my experiences. And honestly, I think the other thing that I love about the C-17 is it does so many cool missions. So I was able to, my one and only like cool deployment was to um, Antarctica, where mm-hmm. we landed the C-17 on a sheet of ice that half a year later melts. So they can only do that mission half of the year um that's pretty cool i got to be a part of some short runway landings where they really came in hard um and were able to stop really quickly so the c17 is an amazing aircraft
0: very cool very cool all right so military career uh air force air force reserve that chapter just closes for you what's that what's it like closing a chapter like that
1: so funny i was just walking with another uh, veteran friend of mine who i knew in my very first assignment, she retired a couple years ago. And both of us said for us, I think for men it's different, but for us ladies, it was a very natural time to go. We could both sense we had something else to to give our energies to. Um, So I think we made that transition really nicely. I think for men and for, for a lot of my friends that are going through it right now, it's tough because your identity is very much rolled into your work. And I think that could be true of any industry. Not just Air Force, but um, so then you have to reinvent yourself. Like, what does the next phase look like? Thankfully for me, I was able to sort of transition a little at a time. So I went from full active duty to reservist, raising two kids at home. And then I started to slide some business in there. And, you know, and so I was sort of easing my way out of that full on identity for many years. And now I'm ready to embrace, you know, entrepreneurship. Yeah with all I got. Um, But I'm very proud that I was able to keep the reserves, which for any women out there, the reserves is a great way to stick with it. Um, Even as you're raising kids and moving and doing all those things, reserves is a, it was a really great flexible option for me.
0: You talked about being a people person, realizing that, you know, early uh, in your time in the Air Force, early in your career, you know, and just knowing that you like to work with people and and manage and make things happen. You also describe yourself as a serial entrepreneur uh, with a big heart to give back. Uh, And you've led successful businesses, you started businesses, you've trained organizations, you've led large groups of people. You've also worked with folks one-on-one. So now that you've continued to grow that, tell me, first of all, what's a serial entrepreneur? What, What does that mean?
1: Well, okay. So I started life um, in my bedroom watching my parents who I I think I was in second grade when my dad lost his corporate Mm. job. Um, He was an engineer and he decided to start his own company. So I watched my parents in the bedroom next to me. They turned it into an office and I watched them from a very young age work and have the flexibility to be able to attend every one of my sporting events and travel, which in Montana You got to go nine hours to go to the next you know game sometimes my state golf tournament was nine hours from our house i'll never forget and they were there for everything but it was because they were entrepreneurs and they had ownership of their schedule so that's kind of where i think the seed was planted and then when i transitioned out of the air force um, i started to look for work and as an aircraft maintenance officer There aren't very many jobs that translate directly to, you know, launching planes that go to war to the civilian world. So I could have worked at an airport. I could have worked in logistics. I could have done a lot of those things, but they weren't really jobs that had part-time options. And I wanted to be home for my kids because I knew my husband wasn't going to be and work. And so when I started looking at the part-time options, the, the money was terrible. And most of the time to get good paying jobs, you had to have worked for part or full-time first and then transitioned into part-time. So I just decided there has to be a better way. I can make something out of this myself. And that's when I came back to the idea of entrepreneurship. And it's so funny, the beginning, my very first business I've had, gosh, four now, four businesses. Now my very first business was a decorating business. I knew nothing about decorating other than I watched a lot of HGTV and we moved a lot. Um, (laughs) And so that was kind of like my, you know, my hobby du jour at the moment. And I turned it into a business. I had two kids in tow. My husband was gone all the time. And I I was able to make it into something that made money, but I could work it around my crazy schedule.
0: Well, we're on a video chat here and I'm looking at a beautifully decorated office, (laughs) home office that you're in. It looks incredible.
1: Can you say that a little louder so my husband can hear? Because this was a COVID project. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, so that was kind of fun because it turned a hobby or something that I had a knack for Mm -hmm. into a profitable business. And that's when I really opened my mind to, okay, I have to share this with more women because lots of women are looking for flexibility. And this is really before the days of social media and e-commerce. It was kind of a brand new concept 12 years ago. And so that then rolled into this idea that I wanted to share entrepreneurship And a good friend of mine uh, that, you know, is connected to the friend of ours that, you know, from our tiny town in Montana, happened to be a financial advisor who knew about a skincare company. And so she shared that with me, which has now blossomed into a huge successful team of, I think, combined, we have something like 20,000 plus on our team.
0: Say the name. You can say the name. It's all good. Yeah.
1: So our company name is Rodan and Fields. Our team name is Team Give, um, which stands for Genuine Inspired Vibrant Entrepreneurs. And um, that really lit me up to the idea that there were simple business options I could offer to women that they needed. They needed the flexibility. And our growth was the proof um, that it was needed because we grew very quickly. Uh, and then that spun off into what I'm doing now, which is uh, for those that don't want to be in the the and fields world, the direct selling world. The traditional businesses, um, since I've done both ways, I've provided a new uh, or set up a new business that provides solutions for women that are starting up in the traditional world who need logos and websites and branding and now um, social media tools.
0: There's gotta be so many scenarios where someone comes to you and I, I know I wanna do this. I've got an idea. I wanna do this. How much joy in the journey do you take in just helping people navigate that process?
1: It's like my drug of choice. I mean, it is what keeps me going every day because um, I will never forget the moment. And I tell people this story all the time, 12, no, 10 ish years ago when I was, I had, I knew the power of entrepreneurship. I had started my decorating company, but we were going to be moving again. I was home with the kids all by myself. The kids were in diapers. I was exhausted. We were all sick. And I just kept thinking to myself, There's got to be more here. Like I've got more to give to the world. And I tend to think that in the middle of a she session, which is what they're calling this last year and a half, where lots of women have lost jobs. Mm -hmm. I think 5.4 million women have given up their jobs or lost their jobs in the last year and a half that I can't imagine. There's not lots of women just like me sitting on the floor wondering, what am I going to do with myself? And they don't realize that starting a business is a very viable option. They're resilient. They, they know how to take care of kids. They know how to do a lot of things that make you a good entrepreneur. They just haven't thought of that idea yet. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about where everything's headed.
0: All right. I've got some questions and we'll put you on the spot. I didn't pre-screen you and tell you I was going to ask you these, okay. but I know you're going to be able to knock them out <laughs> of the park. Jen, I'm having a hard time figuring out my purpose, my why, what do I do?
1: Think back to the things that give you energy that don't seem like work to you. For me, that's empowering women. Like you said, it gives me life when I talk to a woman who thinks she can't do it. And then I show her some ways that she can do it. And then she goes out and kicks it. That gives me life. You have something inside you that doesn't feel like work. That's most likely your why and something that you want to build your business around.
0: What are Jen Griswold's daily musts?
1: Oh, good one. Daily must is move my body. There is no, no way I would get as much out of me in a day if I don't start by energizing myself. Um, my husband was deployed a couple years ago and I started a new rule where I walk the dog around the block and I dream like, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to, um, you know, think about all the to do's for the day or whatever I'm not good at yet or what my kids need. It's just one block with my dog early in the morning. And I just dream. And then when I kick the kids out the door in the morning, then it's always exercise. And if I do those two things in the morning, I typically am always on the right path to get the most done in a day. But then also, you know, you got to give yourself grace. It, It can't happen every single day. But for the most part, I would say For the 43 years of my life, moving my body has been the smartest move ever.
0: When it's reward time, how are you rewarding yourself?
1: Starbucks. In fact, I'm dreaming about it right now when I'm done with this. I'm like, is it too late to go get Starbucks? (laughs) That's my reward. I don't
0: think it's ever too late. (laughs) Yes. You got a couple success stories. I know you've met some incredible people along the way. You've been fortunate to to have your life impacted, but impact lives. Share just a success story with me if you can.
1: So one of my favorite stories to tell, it's not all success, it's more like realizing I was successful. <clears throat> I live in Washington DC and I happened to make a connection um, at a at a bank, a vice or a president of the, um, of the bank asked me to come to the DC economic club lunch which is a really big deal. This is like CEOs in the area, you know, politicians in the area. It's not just anybody that gets an invite to this. And that, that particular day, this was a few years ago, um, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin was talking and I thought, whoa, what a big invitation. So I remember thinking to myself, what am I gonna wear? Cause that's what we girls think about. And um, every, I knew everybody would be in suits, black and brown suits or gray. And so I thought this might be my only chance to go to this luncheon. I better wear something, you know, memorable. Yeah. So I chose a very cute dress with a collar, but it had these bright pink flowers on it. It was a black dress, bright pink flowers. And I thought, well, I'm going to make a statement if I'm going to be-
0: We're popping, we're popping. Yeah, here. we're totally popping. it.
1: And I wore this obnoxiously pink jacket over top because I thought that would just be the exclamation point to the whole thing. So I walk in, it's very stuffy as I expected. Everybody's in suits as I expected. I know not a soul except for the one man who invited me to this luncheon. And so I'm, you know, mingling with other people, feeling super uncomfortable. And finally we get placed at our table and around my table, it's all vice presidents of, you know, nonprofits. It's like media personnel. It was all these different like big players. But as I got to meet each one of them, well, here's where my people skills come into play. I started one by one, like gaining confidence that I belong at this table. And at some point, I made the realization that this is ridiculous that I worried so much about what I would bring to the table because I, at the end of the day, realized that I had more influence over people in my team and in my network and with my businesses, and I was making more money than anybody else at that table. And I, from that day forward, stopped worrying that I wasn't in the right industry or that I wasn't doing it right or that I wasn't good enough but that I needed to hold my seat at the table and, and let my voice be heard. And so that was, you know, probably a good four years ago now. And I feel like I've really kicked into a new gear ever since. And I'll never forget that day.
0: That's incredible. Feeling that feeling that moment of empowerment and then internally going, yeah, of course, of course I'm at this table. Uh, And by the time that lunch was over, I'm guessing you were running that table. (laughs)
1: Well and that but that is the that is in a nutshell and I'm a pretty confident person but in a nutshell that is what happens to women. They Mm -hmm. think I'm not good enough or I'm not I'm not like them or I don't have those skills when in reality they do. It's just that society hasn't always recognized the fact that you should be invited. So from that day forward I'm all in to empower women through business because I just feel like it's good for all of us.
0: Right. So my guys that are listening to this episode, right? We want to equip them to be a little bit better, to be a little bit stronger, be a little bit more supportive of their wives. If a man's listening to this show today, give them some advice.
1: Yeah, and it's a great couples effort, right? Like my husband went to business school. He's got some of that knowledge. I have the people skills, but we can kind of combine our knowledge to make this mm. business go. And, you know, he's going to be transitioning out of the Air Force eventually. This gives him options. I'm able to, you know, give him options. So if he wants to go work, as a, you know, a lower paid job and something he absolutely loves, he has the flexibility to do that. So it works for everybody. It's a smart strategic move on a family's part to recognize the skill that your wife has can become a business.
0: Very cool. Strength of purpose happening there with you. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you because I know folks are gonna be listening like, well, I got to get in contact with Jen and get going on some stuff. So how can people find you?
1: Yeah, so you can find me at missionentrepreneur.com, which is my, you know, my business for uh, resources for women. We also have this really amazing new tool that we just launched called bossladybio.com, which is um a tool that turns the link in your bio, like in Instagram, into a mini website. So if you've nice. seen the other things out there that are kind of plain and boring, we just spiced it up. It's got video capability, it's got connection capability. Uh, it's got, it's got carousels just like on a a website and it takes you literally 10 minutes to put it together and you look like a pro in your Instagram. So if you're using clubhouse or you're using any other social media, you definitely want this. I know the clubhouse users, if anybody's doing that, you only get an Instagram link to market. So you need this in your link. Um, we have had such a huge response in the first month of, uh, of launching this product that I know it's going to be here to stay. And for the guys, we... Check back in a couple weeks, we have um, a whole new URL that's going to be called onamission.bio. So if you don't like Boss Lady bio, which I don't expect you will, um, onamission.bio is for all the gender neutral users. All
0: right. So Mission Entrepreneurs got a book as well, too, right? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah.
1: So I wrote a book a couple years ago, um, really designed to help the military spouse because I am one, but I also played the active duty role. And unfortunately, military spouses follow their military member and 90% are under or unemployed. And as you know, entrepreneurship to me is the way to hire yourself. And so I wrote this book with um, five easy businesses in mind that military spouses can start and they can take with them no matter where they move. Uh, And it's been um, a real joy to kind of give all the knowledge that I had collected and wished somebody had given to me. I was able to put that into a book and share it. So you can find that also um, at missionentrepreneur.com. You can grab it there. Or I also have another website, jengriswold.com.
0: Loads of places where they can find you, Jen. We'll drop all those links in the show notes so our listeners can go back and easily get those. We'll put them in all of our social media posts. But it's missionentrepreneur.com, jengriswold.com, places you can find her. Jen, incredibly grateful for your awesome perspective, great strength and purpose. Thank you for all that you've done for our nation uh, in your time in the military, your husband as well. We wish him nothing but the best in uh as things maybe wind down uh as you head into into the next phase of life here and we're just so grateful for you joining us on this show today
1: all right thank you so much for having me
0: she's jen griswold i'm brian jodis and this has been pick up the six podcast